Welcome to the Retirement Pilot with Steve Hoover. Please discard unnecessary fees and expenses before going through security. Check your emergency fund at the gate and securely stow your well-conceived portfolio in the overhead bin. And when we reach cruising altitude, remember, you are now free to move about retirement. Hey, everybody. Welcome into the Retirement Pilot with Steve Hoover. Thanks for hanging out with us here on the podcast as we talk investing, finance, and retirement. This week, we're going to talk about some documents, some places where we might be flirting with a little disaster. And these are easy fixes a lot of times that you can take care of, but uh, especially if you've already put them in place. But it's easy to let these things go. Sometimes we think about setting it and forgetting it. And so we want to touch on a couple of places this week. Uh, you might want to be wary of. And again, these are pretty easy fixes. So if you got questions, you can always reach out to your advisor or an advisor like Steve Hoover, financial coach at Wealth Partners Corporation. What's going on, my friend? How are you? Doing well, Mark. How are you? Doing pretty good, hanging in there. You and I were just chatting a little bit about the interesting weather that you're experiencing in the last two days at the time we're taping this. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I always love love snow in this time of year. Yeah, you went from uh, 70 to basically snow in a day. So That's right. Good stuff. Just wait long enough, it'll be in the 80s. That's to say, one more day, right? You'll probably be in the 80s again. That's right. Yeah, the weather is uh, Mother Nature's all for meds. I think is what we, we've been saying here lately. So you know, you and I were chatting, and and you're back to doing some events and and workshops and stuff. So it's good to start having these. You know, these things are starting to come back. And there's a lot of little places, Steve, that people forget about some financial uh, items that they could you know take care of pretty quickly. So I got two for sure. I want to run through today real fast. So let's start with. Out of date legal documents. This is a pretty easy fix most of the time. You know, maybe you don't have them all in one place or whatever the case might be, but it's often not that hard to go through and fix these or uh, get these up to date. But what are some of the big ones we sh- we should have, and we should definitely check to make sure that they're correct? Well, a couple of them come to mind would be if you have a living trust. Okay, a living trust should be reviewed. Things happen throughout a year throughout you know, a couple of years. For example, you may have an additional grandchild. Uh, you may have a death of a, a child or, or someone who is a beneficiary of the trust. You want to make sure that, that the trust is up to date as much as you can. And if there are changes, the nice thing about a trust is you don't have to just totally scrap what you have and redo it. It's okay. typically done with an amendment and, and any good estate planning attorney can do that for you. Gotcha. You can make changes to it It's if you want to change uh, allocations to people. So I always tell people, look, make sure that you, if you have a trust, just review it every year or if a, a, some type of event happens, just make sure that it's done correctly. Because once a trust, the person who is what we call the grantor of the trust is deceased or incapacitated, mm-hmm. the trust takes over. And it, it's very difficult to amend anything, uh, almost impossible. It's almost like a, you know, it's in, in concrete. It, this is what you said in it is what's going to happen. So you always want to make sure that, that what you want is, is stated in the document. And a good estate planning attorney can take care of that for you. As I said, it's just an amendment most of the time if there are changes. So that's really pretty easy. Yeah. So you got trust, right? Like uh, powers of attorney, right? You should probably have a medical one and then a, just a durable power of attorney, correct? And and that was what I was going to go into next, oh, which okay. are the two power of attorneys that are very important. Let's hit the medical power of attorney. Uh, sure. Most uh, Now, my dad's an estate planning attorney, so I know I, I, oh, he does okay. most of the legal work for my clients and 
And one of the issues with a power of attorney for, for healthcare and what they're doing now is they're not only doing the durable power of attorney for healthcare, which basically is giving somebody the, the right to, on your behalf, not to do unnecessary surgeries, to do whatever you want. You dictate what they can and cannot do. All right. So it's your wishes that they are able to do. Then they're coupling it with a living will. And the living will is, for the lack of a better way of saying it, is, is taking you off life support. And that's where you dictate, okay, you if if I'm on life support, you you as the power of attorney for health have the right to to take me off life support. I don't right. want to be a feeding tube, I don't want a ventilator, I don't want anything. If I'm deceased, brain dead, what have you, then take me off. So that's one that you want to have. Okay. And the when you review those, you just want to make sure that number one, the person that that you've designated as the attorney, in fact, is the person who's going to take over for you, still alive. And that's the person you want making the decisions. So you can always change that. Now that would have to be rechanged. Power of attorneys are very inexpensive to do. So you always want to make sure who you've designated to take care of your wishes is the person that you want. The durable power of attorney, general durable power of attorney is very, is probably, I, my opinion, and this comes from my dad and from experience, the most important estate planning document you can have while you're alive durable power of attorney for financial. And why I say that is, is this, if you become incapacitated, you have a stroke, you get into a car wreck and you're incapacitated, you're in a coma, right? you have a spouse and you have a tremendous amount of money in your name under an IRA, 401k, 403b, something where it's just in your name, the spouses will not be able to get into that money to make changes to the home, to retrofit the home, to get into that money to live without being what's called a guardian. And in the state of Kansas, and I'm talking the state of Kansas, if if that were to occur, the spouse of the one who's incapacitated has to get an attorney, petition the probate court, get on the dock at the probate court, get appointed by the court as the guardian of their spouse, then they can start acting in their behalf. And the other part is that can take three to four months in some cases, depending upon uh, how busy the court is. Mm -hmm. The other part is that spouse has to basically go to the court and say, I spent this amount of money on this and has to make an account for what they're spending their money on. Right, right. Which drives, I, I was just speaking with a prospective client yesterday on this. And when I told them that, they're like, well, it's my money. If something happens to him, it's my, my husband. Well, not really. He's still alive. And the laws are different if you're still alive. If he's dead, yeah, you're right. It all comes to you. And they're like, I have to go to the, I would have to go to the court and make, tell them what I'm spending essentially my money on. I said, yeah, you, you would have to. But if you just have this simple document, mm-hmm. this power of attorney, durable power of attorney for financial, it's almost just a turnkey. It's done. The financial institution gets the document. The advisor, like myself, says, yes, this person is incapacitated, et cetera. It's proved. Boom. It's it's in place. Gotcha. And so that is probably, to me, the most important document of all of them. Then I would say the trust comes in. People say, well, I've got a will. Well, most items aren't going to go through a will, such as retirement accounts, Mm -hmm. um, non-qualified annuities, life insurance. Those all go by titling. It's all really like more like your wishes, really, at the end of the day, right, Steve? I mean, a lot of times the will gets trumped by many other things anyway, correct? If the asset goes through the will. So let me give a, a typical 
account is this. People have a house that they bought uh, and it's jointly owned between husband and wife. It's called joint tenants with rights of survivorship. What that basically means is if husband dies, wife now owns it 100%. Both die, then that would go through their will, which would go through probate. They have an IRA or 401k or 403b, any qualified money was what those are. Those go by beneficiary designation. So you say, okay, husband has it, dies, wife's beneficiary. Husband and wife die, goes to secondary beneficiary children. Never going to hit probate, never going to hit your will. So you can say all you want in your will about your retirement money. Right. Doesn't matter. Yep, doesn't matter. It's by beneficiary designation. So a will just grabs assets that aren't retirement and are going to put it through probate. And one last piece on a will is just personal tangible property. So if you have, if mom has a wedding ring, she wants daughter, granddaughter, whatever to have, that's right. will go. And that really kind of goes outside of probate. Okay. So wills are, you know, we can, we can, title things and do things to keep them outside of probate and get them to who you want. So I really don't talk too much about a will. It's either a trust or a power of attorney or some other things. Gotcha. Well, you mentioned the BDs, the beneficiary designation. So let's touch on that for the other piece of this. And the incorrect ones, again, often this is a pretty easy fix. And, and I'll just wrap up the legal documents by saying, to your point, often you can get these things handled with a phone call or a couple of forms, an addendum. Uh, it's just not that expensive either to really pull these items together, getting with an attorney. Uh, and often, you know, when you work with a financial advisor like Steve, he can recommend one to you and so on and so forth. So these are usually pretty easy fixes. So let's talk about the BDs and how to make sure those are correct, because you kind of touched on that a little bit, Steve. If, you know, if you've gotten remarried and you've got some old orphan account that you left behind, I mean, how many stories do advisors have of that kind of scenario where an ex-spouse is getting this and there's not much you can do about it after the fact? No, actually not. There have been um, Supreme Court cases that have come out and have said that whoever is the beneficiary on that form gets the money on non-401ks, 403Bs. So if an IRA, let me give you an example. Let's say mom and dad uh, are married for 30 years and mom and dad divorce and they settle their assets outside. So, so dad retains his IRA. Mom gets assets from someplace else. Dad doesn't change the beneficiary and still keeps his ex-wife as the primary beneficiary, but really wanted the daughter, who is the contingent beneficiary, to get the funds. Dad dies. Right. Money goes to the ex-spouse, disinherits the daughter, and there was a court case on that. So the court came back, Supreme Court came back on that particular one and said on non-IRA or non-401k or what we call ERISA plans, whoever is listed on that beneficiary form gets it, period. There's, there's no suing. There's, that's who's going to get it, period. So you always want to do a beneficiary audit. Make sure it's correct. Things happen. You fill out, you know, I've, I've done it for, for prospective clients, and we've called the custodian, Fidelity, Schwab, TD Ameritrade, whatever. And they go, we don't have a beneficiary listed. Or they'll say, well, we have XYZ beneficiary. And the, the owner of the account will go, well, They've been dead for 10 years. Right, right. Who's, who's next and behind? You don't have one. And if that happens, then what happens is all that money goes through probate and mm -hmm. gets distributed based on the laws of probate for that state. ERISA plans like 401ks, 403bs, things of that nature operate a little differently. They have come out and said the spouse is the de facto 
beneficiary. Okay. Even if the spouse is not listed, mm-hmm. the spouse gets it, period. Doesn't go through probate, goes right to the spouse. Even if the owner of the account lists a daughter or a son or grandson, somebody other than the spouse, there has to be written authorization or acknowledgement that the spouse understands that they are not the primary beneficiary of this account. So beneficiary designations are incredibly important to make sure, and you it's kind of the trust but verify. Just call up the custodian and ask them, and they'll tell you who they have on their system because that's what's going to happen. Same with life insurance policies. They work the same way. You want to make sure the beneficiaries are who you want to get the money. Non-qualified annuities, that you a variable or a fixed or fixed index, have beneficiaries. So you want to make sure you, you have those and just verify them. A lot of times there aren't problems, but boy, if there are problems, you're leaving problems for the next generation. Well, and Steve, so when you're talking about these couple items, again, most of the time your advisor should be bringing this up to you or you should be bringing, like, what's the good pattern there? Because life's going to change. So if you're getting together with your advisor once a year or so on and so forth, you know, should it be kind of on us as the the client, the end user, or should it be on the advisor to say, hey, what's changed? What's new? What do we need to update? I think it's it's becoming on the advisor. Most advisors work from the top down, meaning they work, they focus simply on managing the money for the client. And as long as they're getting the return, that's what they are focused on. And they leave the estate planning, the documents, beneficiary designations, beneficiary audits to somebody else, or they just don't want to mess with it because it's really not their deal. They're, they're been, they've been tasked with managing the money and getting the best return for the client. And when you do that, you could manage, I tell my, my clients and prospective clients, mm-hmm. look, I could do the greatest job managing your money, getting the greatest returns, what have you. Right. But if we make a mistake on beneficiaries, we make a mistake on certain other things on the estate planning side, no power of attorney for financial, having the wrong beneficiaries, that could lead to significant amount of either fees for attorneys, courts, and or taxes mm-hmm. that could wipe out all the good we did on managing the money. And it's basically, think about it until everybody, look, we're going to set the foundation and that's the estate planning for the home. You know, we, we're going to, the foundation is, is the base, is the solid. And then we build from there. And the, the bottom of the base is the estate planning, making sure you have the right documents are updated correctly. The beneficiary designations are right. Then we can start layering on managing money and things of that nature. All right. Well, so again, folks, important piece of the retirement planning conversation is to definitely go through some of our documents, some of those financial documents and legal documents and making sure you have the, you know, the I's dotted, the T's crossed and working with a good advisor can certainly help you do that. If you've got any questions, reach out to Steve, give him a call and have a chat before you take any action. Uh, certainly he's not an attorney, as we mentioned, but he can certainly help you and refer you to someone along the way that could help you with some of those needs. But again, a good advisor can really be that uh, quarterback, if you will, of all these pieces, putting these things together for your retirement plan. So give them a call, 913-685-3207. It's 913-685-3207. Or just stop by the website at wealthpartnerskc.com. That's wealthpartnerskc.com. And while you're there, you can subscribe to the podcast on Apple, Google, Spotify, iHeart, Stitcher, all that good kind of stuff. Steve's been doing this for more than 20 years, helping folks in the financial service industry. So a great resource to talk to you. Steve, my friend, thanks for hanging out with me. And uh, I hope you have a great week. Hope the weather gets nice. I do too. I appreciate it, Mark. Thanks. We'll talk to you next time here on the show. This has been the Retirement Pilot. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button. We'll see you next time. 
information is for illustrative purposes only and does not constitute tax, investment, or legal advice. Always consult with a qualified investment, legal, or tax professional before taking any action.